Hello. Well, hello. <laughs> How are you doing? Testing, You're right. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, testing. Two, three. That's it. I need to gargle and do my vocal exercises. La 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 la. la. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm out in a while. Jeez. <laughs> How are you doing, matey? I'm all right. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on here and uh, having a chat with me. Don't be silly. It's a, my absolute pleasure. Thank you for asking me. That's all right. Don't be scared. <laughs> You'll be gentle. You ask me all these horrible questions that I wasn't anticipating. I'll be very, be very like, oh, shit, I don't know. What did you oh, think thanks, of man. me? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it will be, really. So, oh, do you remember when we did this? Am I a nice person? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> Like anyone that can uh, quote Blackadder the way that you can, I'm, uh, I'm happy to do anything for... Uh, well, to be honest with you, you helped me a lot with that. And do you remember why? Go on. Do you not remember? What? Go on, what you, which bit specifically? I'm sure well, I will when Christmas, it comes. Go on, remind me. You got me a present for Christmas one year. Yes, I got. Oh God, I forgot about that. Of course I did. Yes, I remember. You got me. Yes, the I did. Script. Blackadder. I did. Do you know what I've got? I've got one too. I've got one. See, I can see mine now. It's on my bookshelf. Yeah, God, I forgot yes, about that. Like, yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> well, we had such a such a close bond. You see. Of course, God, I completely forgot about that. Of course, I did. Yeah. Oh, happy days. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. <laughs> Can't eat a book though. To be fair, so no, can I'm, I'm not very imaginative when it comes to presents. <laughs> not at all. But um, oh, yeah, I amazing. Yeah, I mean, we had some great days back then. Just like oh, if anyone's mate, wondering what the just... hell we're talking about. Me and Mr. Yeah. Payne used to work at a certain establishment, Don the Parry. Wee oui, wee, oui, indeed. Wee wee, one of me. We had a great time. Um, yeah, I think you left before me. Did you leave before me? Yeah, 2004, I left, November. Yeah. Oh, wow, yes. I think you it was. Quite a long time. You, you, came, you came and waved me off, I think, didn't you? Were you one of them? You're one of the chosen few at the train station, and you waved as I, I wept brokenly. Yeah, you came, oh, you came mate, past yeah. me in the corridor and went, you can come to the train station. That's <laughs> <laughs> a bit sinister when you say it like that. Did I really say it like that? <laughs> yeah. I bet, I bet, I bet <laughs> you thought, God, I've got no choice, you'll kill me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, if, if, I don't go, if I don't go to the train station, he won't leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it, everyone go quick. See the back of him. Yeah, oh, mate, good, good times. We need to make sure. We need to make sure. Make sure he's not. gone. Yeah, yeah, quickly. <laughs> Don't let him back in. Yeah. When did you leave then? Oh, oh goodness me. 2007? Was it? Oh, you were there quite a while then. I, I bet it was boring after I left, see. wasn't it? I bet, I bet it wasn't as good then after I'd gone. Nah. Nah, I could never I find a replacement. Like, oh, good Brumay, who could quote Brumay. Yeah, oh, that's I found a Scots who could uh, quote Ab Fab, but that was about as close as I got. Oh, that'll that'll that's a close second, I think. That's uh, yeah, a very close second. That's almost there, almost as good. So the coffee is kicking in, so I, I think it's going to be all systems go any moment. Great, go! Oh, excited. Go for it. 
Okay, so some of these questions that have come in are also from uh, little, um, you know, vines that I've put out to people who I know are interested in your work. So not all of these. Is anyone interested in my work? Um, there's quite a few people out there actually. Oh, that's that nice to know. Yeah, and also um, I've made it very strict, and also because we can have live messaging on here, guys, very very strict that we cannot give any future plot details. That's the big no-no. No, sorry. They would string me up and shoot me, I'm afraid. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that's half the fun of the arches is not, not knowing what's coming. You listen to it and sort of have no idea. So uh, it's like life. I completely agree. I completely agree with you. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, be um, a proactive listener and I'm going to ask the first question. Go for it. So... I'm just going to tick introduction catch up. That is done. Um... <laughs> <laughs> very specific, say hello. It's a very specific checklist. Yeah. Hello. How are you? Thank you for the Blackadder script book. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All hello, tick, 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 tick. Tick, tick, tick. So, um, so I suppose my first question is going right back to, uh, to baby Dave, really. Like, were you always oh, interested God. in like stories and storytelling as a child? Were you an avid reader? Did you watch a lot of television? And what sort of things were you into growing up? All of the above. Um, yeah, and it was, I mean, it was and still is, I think, the only thing I'm any good at. So it's kind of quite lucky that I uh, I managed to sort of get this get this job, really, or work in this kind of industry. Because I'm literally no good at anything else. And that's not an exaggeration. My, my other half will <laughs> confirm. Um so yeah, I mean, when I was when I was little, I just I loved English, I loved stories, and what I would sometimes do is I would sit and just get a book, and I would just copy the story word for word out in into like an exercise book, which is completely pointless because the words were already there in the in the original. But I just liked the the physical act of writing. Um, I mm. think is what is kind of what I was doing. Um, so yeah, sort of right from the word go, really. And I used to love. Um, I used to kind of watch. I was going to say inappropriate stuff. That came a little bit later. Not that kind of inappropriate, um, but inappropriate like, like for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so that, that's when I was a bit older. But I used to watch things like um, I used to love like Poirot when I was about six or seven. Um, so I used to watch all those. I love like a Who Done It, and I love kind of all sort of how like plots interweave together, and you know you, you how they set up characters and all that sort of thing. And I used to sort of find that I love like murder mysteries and found those sorts of things really interesting, um, and loved just kind of any kind of comedy I could lay my hands on. And like Victoria Wood, Blackadder is obviously a big one. Um, and I used to have like audio tapes, and I wasn't I wasn't very old. And 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 now if I sort of re-listen to um, or re-watch Victoria Wood, I didn't understand hardly any of the because she talks a lot about you know, women's issues and premenstrual tension, which I still don't know what that is. Um, and all these sort of <laughs> fibroids and other things, other words that I still don't really understand. I certainly didn't understand it then, but I just, I still found her really funny. And I think what it was is just the way she, the way she used to talk and the way she used to tell jokes and use, use funny words still made me laugh, even though I didn't really understand what she was on about. Um, and things like sure. Hello, Hello, like all those old kind of classic ones. And again, re-watching it now, like I used to find the policeman funny, if you remember Hello, Hello, um, oh, just because he, just he used to... Used to by. That's the one, <laughs> oh, legend, legendary. So I used to find him funny because I think he's something that kids can find funny. But the rest of it, I didn't, I didn't, I missed all the kind of the innuendos and all the, you know, that, those sorts of things completely passed me by, but I still loved it. So it was all, 
it was all those sorts of things. But yeah, I loved I loved TV. I was a proper telly addict, still am really, and when I've got the time. Yeah. So it was always books, <laughs> TV, media, yeah, and anything like that. So very, very lucky that I've uh, managed to kind of find a job that incorporates all those things and more. Absolutely. Um, what kind of things did you like to read? What were you as um, a reader? What, what were you uh, reading? Proper like So when I was really little, it was kind of um, the faraway tree, kind of Enid Blight and those, those sorts of things, mm. real like sort of fantasy, but... Um, proper like adventures and sort of I really, I really like kind of adventures um and all the sort of the the disney films and again when to, to sort of get a get a job there afterwards and actually be be part of that um was was just immense and completely ridiculous um wow so so all, all that all those sorts of things but yeah definitely that and then and then again sort of um thrillers kind of as i've got older i think um but i do i do love an autobiography now as well um, but I kind of like um, love an autobiography. Wow, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, As you get older, I, I like, you do, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But I like kind of sort of un, un, slightly unusual people. So it's people like um, Daniela Westbrooks. Um, I've reread sort of quite recently. Um, who's obviously kind of a really sort of a quite dividing, controversial figure but her life and you know experience of addiction I like I like reading stuff that I've got no idea about I don't know anything about addiction I've never kind mm. of suffered with it thankfully I don't really know many people who have um so just to sort of immerse yourself in a world that you don't know anything um but is really interested and sort of give you an idea of and it's sort of useful for kind of writing stories and characters as well because you know Daniela Westbrook's very very famous and a lot of people think that they know everything there is to know about her but they're looking at um an image on a screen and the the drug addict whereas they don't know the the person behind that um and i think that's that's how you kind of create interesting characters by looking at why they're like that and what led them to that place and how how other parts of themselves and how they react to their children their family and 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 those sorts of things she's not no one is just one thing in my view um there's always kind of people you know multifaceted and have a lot of dimensions to them so so that sort of stuff i think really as well does that also like sort of tie into your job? Do you know what I mean? You sometimes you yeah. have to get into the minds of characters and work and find out about their inner workings. So therefore, you know, not one, not every character is sort of one-sided, or you know, everyone's yeah. got sort of multifaceted personalities. So is that do you think that helps you? Like reading autobiographies sort of gives you ideas yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. And I was always a big fan of the um, the soaps when I was um, a kid as well, and probably kind of too young to really sort of be watching them and understanding some of the issues that they were they were doing but uh yes yeah, so i was always a huge 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 soap fan um continuing drama mm. um but yeah definitely in a lot of the characters you have to write for so many in in a if you're working on a soap um you have to kind of know them all inside out and you have to know what they would do and what they wouldn't do and make that realistic um so yeah and like like i say everyone has no, no one is just one thing no one is just one kind of stereotype and you know I, I always sort of come back to you know you know even hitler you know loved his mom and might have loved his cat do you know what i mean and if you you know even sort of really really people do really really terrible things yeah. have kind of other, other elements of themselves and like different things and have hobbies um so it's important if you're creating someone that's fully rounded to kind of explore all those elements and i think if you're working on a 
on a drama you know you want everyone to you don't have to like you don't have you, the audience don't have to like um your characters necessarily and sometimes it's more fun if they don't um but yeah. they have to enjoy listening or watching them um even if they're doing terrible things and i think otherwise it's just like a if you just have like a a baddie it's just, it's just like watching a panto and um, it's not as um realistic or interesting i like to sort of listen to something and go oh i hate him but i do kind of understand why he's doing that i think that's much more much more interesting and probably realistic hopefully well yeah i mean rob tishner on the archers pretty the classic yes pretty awful really get, get on board with his his state of mind at all but anyway we we're, we're jumping too far ahead no, that's um, right. we need to... so um so did you train or did you any training before you worked at disney when it came when it comes to creative writing um so i did english and drama at uni um okay. that's when i thought i could act and then realized very quickly that i couldn't um <laughs> but uh so what i ended up doing is i ended up writing all the so i ended up writing all the plays for um the ones that could act um to perform kind of during my degree um and then i did english as well, and i loved that and I, I enjoyed that sort of much more than actually kind of being on the stage um, so I did that and then the day I the day I finished my degree, the next day I went to Paris. I literally got kind of the job there. Um so that was the only kind of formal training. I've never done any and it wasn't specifically creative writing. We did like script writing modules and we did like writing for radio just as one kind of one term. Um so oh, that was sort of the only training. Um but you I think you just learn a lot a lot on the job really. But I sort of I've always written written plays and sketches um, and I was lucky enough to kind of get some feedback on them um, and then one day I just wrote uh, I just wrote my own episode of Hollyoaks just for something to do and I thought well I'll send it to them <laughs> I'll probably just put it in the bin um, and then a really really nice lady read it and wrote back and said oh we really liked it actually which was more than I kind of ever expected so um, and then it sort of went from Amazing. there. But it's, it's always really nice to get people to read it and will be honest and say, actually, this this doesn't work and this does work. Um, so I sort of learned it as I went along, I think. And it's like a muscle, kind of the more you train it, the more, the hopefully better you get at it, in theory. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. You know, I, I've always um, thought that, you know, people, you say, what do you want to do when you're older? And they say, I want to be a writer. Oh, what are you writing at the moment? Oh, I'm not writing anything. Well, yeah, you know, you need to sort of jump in their feet first and, you know, keep writing. Because I suppose, like you said, it's like a muscle, isn't it? You need to keep exercising yeah. your brain cells and it is. the process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I would still write even if no one read it. I think I, just because I enjoy doing it. And I think it's kind of like an addiction almost of me saying about addictions. Um, I, think yeah. I've, uh, <laughs> I think I've got one now. And I think I would I would still do it even if no one ever even read it. But I mean, you know, you have to write. If you want to do it, you have to. Uh, you, it's not the sort of job where you can sit and wait for an opportunity to just sort of fall into your lap unless like your dad is Steven Spielberg or someone kind of really big in the industry. <laughs> um yeah sure but it's something you you have to kind of write it and you have to kind of send it to people you know and people are very busy and you sort of I never expect people to actually read it but uh but they do so uh or some do which oh is amazing nice of them. so uh so yeah that's kind of where then, it do, you, do you have people sending things to you sometimes say again something mate so you just cut out for a do second. you have people um do you have people who are aspiring writers do you have people send things to yourself 
Like, do you, do you, is that process, do you see yourself sometimes in these people that are trying to get on the ladder, so to speak? Yeah, I do. And it's really strange because that's exactly what I used to do. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I, I just used to sort of find programs that I wanted to write for. And I'd just write, I'd just like look at the credits and see and, and just say, right, this is me. I've got something. If you have time to read it, brilliant. Um, and now I'm on the other side of it. I'm aware of just how busy these poor people are that I was kind of harassing yeah. <laughs> constantly and begging them to read my stuff. And I'm sure there's lots of other people doing exactly the same thing. Um, so now I am very lucky to have um, to be on the other side of that. But I'm very aware of how these people feel because I've done it. Um, so I always try and read and I always promise that I will read and I always do, even if it takes months um, for me to do it I will kind of give people honest feedback because I think I think it's really appreciated and I think to I, I think I feel like I need to kind of give that back to someone because um, because if it wasn't for people who did it for me I wouldn't have got I wouldn't have got anywhere so um, but yeah it's weird being suddenly being on the other side of something it's quite strange but quite nice yeah that's amazing really amazing guys just don't send any unsolicited scripts to him at the moment he's very busy I'm very busy. Yes, thank you. If it's like a page long, I'll think about it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'd rod for my own bat now, haven't I? Being inundated. I know that's it. I'm just going to come straight in with this question. How did the position on EastEnders come about? Um, fluke, really. If I'm honest, uh, look. Really? Um, yeah, sort of almost. I'd just. Um, I said I'd written kind of plays and I'd written for um, a company called Laugh Lines and they do um, kind of dinner theatre um, and they do like um, new versions of classic sitcoms. So Blackadder was one of them. I've just I've got to write like my oh, own wow. Blackadder episode, really. Um, I'll send it to you. Um, yes, please. And Only Pools and Horses and a couple of other things. And they kind of performed it. Um, they kind of toured it around and they did it in like restaurants and um, little theatres and all this sort of stuff. So I was doing I was doing that um, and were, and working at the same time. Um, and I'd done little bits for Hollyoaks that I mentioned before, um, just kind of their online series. And I did a workshop at Corrie, um, just kind of a one day thing. I was picked for that, which was amazing. And oh. um, and I saw the it was a junior storyline, a job at EastEnders. And I thought, um, I thought, oh, just why not? I'll give it a go. And I was quite used to writing well-known characters through the sitcom stuff that everybody knows and keeping in character. Um, so I kind of used that as kind of some of my experience. Love, loved EastEnders anyway, so always watched it. Um, so I thought, oh, I'll just give it a try. I sent it off. And then they called me for um, like a workshop and there was about 30 of us um, and about half of them already worked there or had worked there in some capacity doing all sorts of different jobs. And I just sat there going, oh, I've got absolutely no chance in hell of getting this. I'll just do it. Yeah. I'll just use it as like a fun exercise and you get to kind of have a sort of a little kind of look around and stuff and meet a few people and that's, and that's fine. Um, so I did it. Um, and what, what I, what I did in my interview, which um, my, my boss later said that was, that was quite clever. I wrote, I uh, wrote a story and because we did it in stage, it's like a bit like the X factor. So you have like a morning session um, and then you pitch um, you pitch a story to um, kind of the story producer and um, the series producer at the time. And you, you kind of pitch a story to them. And then you're, some of you are like knocked out, basically, and so not, not like punched and knocked out, not physically, um, but sort of <laughs> asked, asked to leave at that point. Um, and they say, oh, you know, we're not taking you any further. And then some of you, if you're successful, you stay for the afternoon and you do um, like a workshop in like a story session. So when I did my pitch... Um, I kind of ended it on a duff duff and I wouldn't tell them what happened at the end of the story unless they kept me for the afternoon session. 
Um, so I sort of left them on a on a cliffhanger. Um, and they were both yeah. just there going, oh, what happens? And I was like, well, keep me for the afternoon and I might tell you, um, oh! which was a little, a little bit cheeky, um, but it kind of worked. So, um, so <laughs> they did. Um, and then I and then I was offered the job, which was just I was absolutely stunned and amazed. Um, so what year so, yeah. did you start on EastEnders? So I started 20, I started in the October 2014. So it was right in the middle of the Who Killed Lucy um story so lucy died in the oh, april wow. um and i started in the october um so it was it was massive you know and every it, literally i know the, the slogan is everyone's talking about it and everyone really was um at the time so it was so cool to be there for such a huge story and we didn't know so we were working in the story department and we didn't know who'd done it um so only kind of <gasps> like four of our bosses knew and nobody else had a clue um, so we were writing kind of the stories for after the reveal in the live episode, but part of them were like like our boss sort of wrote some of them, and we weren't allowed to even know. And part of us didn't want to know who it was. Um, yeah. So we course. didn't know till the live episode. We didn't know Kathy was coming back from the dead, and we all stood in the um, the canteen at Elstree, and they had kind of big screens there and watched the episode when she got out of the car, and we all just went, we yeah. all just screamed because we were like we didn't know that was going to happen either. They'd ke- even kept it from from us but um just to be around wow. for it's such an iconic show and there was such iconic stories going on at the time it was just it was just a pleasure to be sitting in there. I'd, have, I'd have gone and done it for no pay to be quite honest i'd have sat in there for free yeah. um but it was uh, yeah it was time. brilliant oh it was now, yeah it's best time you, to be there i have to tell you the story so go on. the first time i found out that you were working on eastenders was there was an after show i think was there an? I don't know if it was for that or there was an after show anyway. And yeah. um, you you were sitting in the yes, audience. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was <laughs> sitting. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. I was sitting. Um, it, yeah, that was for the live episode because they did loads of kind of added extra. The BBC did some kind of extra stuff um, to promote yeah. it, and they did um, EastEnders Mastermind. And Jamie Borthwick, who plays Jay, um, was in the chair. And he didn't know this is a spoiler, he'll probably shoot me for telling you this. Um a couple of the answers he didn't know. So I was kind of mouthing a couple of the answers to him from sitting oh! behind not Magnus yeah. Magnuson, whatever the John Humphreys, I think it was. Um yeah. I think one of them was how many husbands has Pat had? And I knew the answer to that, so I just <laughs> held up the right number of fingers for him. Um so yeah. <laughs> so that was that was I mean, yeah, just to just to sort of do that. I mean, it, everything was just you just sit there going, This can't be real, I can't actually be be here at, at this at such um, an iconic time it was uh, it was brilliant I loved it yeah um so obviously you go on to work on EastEnders you said that you were a huge fan of the yeah. series before what was it like to be immersed in this sort of childhood world that you'd watched since you were little did you just think you know did you feel a lot, a lot of responsibility did you feel like you had you know, a bit like some weight on your shoulders from for writing for these characters. Um, I mean, I think just sort of taking the first bit of that. I mean, the first when you look around the square, it's it's just it's so strange. I can't even begin to tell. You. I never got used to it. I never, I never, uh, and I went there loads of times. And you go in like the Queen Vic set and all this sort of stuff, and you never quite 
you couldn't quite make the connection that this was actually the place that you'd seen on TV where all these iconic, yeah. <laughs> you know, actors and actors had stood and all these iconic things had happened. And I remember being shown around on my first day and I was standing outside the Vic and I was just like, oh my God, that's where Tiffany got run over, literally on that spot there. I'm actually standing there. <laughs> it was, it, it's just, it's just beyond weird. And I never kind of quite got used to it. Um, so yeah, it is. It is literally like stepping into the the TV. It's uh, it was great. Um, and responsibility wise, I think it's more sort of that you. I mean, yeah, because it's such a it's such a huge show. And I mean, I was just a very small cog in a very large wheel. But you you want it. You want to get it right, and you want it to. You know, you want to create stuff that's um, as memorable as the things that you've that you watched or that I watched when I was when I was a kid that I can remember. You know, and it does. And as well, you know, it does help people as as all the soaps do in different ways. You know, you sort of watch things and it helps people to um, be aware of certain issues um, and sort mm-hmm. of give people confidence to kind of, you know, come out or, you know, admit they have a problem with something or whatever. Um, so, yeah, there is there is um, there's definitely a responsibility um, as well, especially if you're doing doing something really serious. Um, like I was there when Stacey did a postpartum psychosis story um which is obviously sort of um you know a really serious issue that a lot of people weren't really aware of um so that was that was really important and i um i pitched the um the death of paul coker so when paul coker was um killed in a homophobic attack um that's that was the story that i pitched at one of our long-term conferences um so that and, and i was really lucky because i got to kind of sort of oversee it slightly and make and you know got got kind of a say in in everything that was going on which was which was you know just just brilliant and very kind of them to give me that kind of responsibility um and it was just sort of uh, it was something that I hadn't seen in a, a show before and something that, a story that I really wanted to tell and the actors were superb and that's it's that's one of the things I'm kind of most proud of that I've done like in my whole sort of career was um helping to to develop that and make that work um so yeah, but it's it's just it's just it's just weird you've never got used to it it's a bit like disney it's you know when you just sort of think this i've seen all these kind of things happen but it doesn't i think going back so it doesn't kind of ruin the magic because you can still watch it and i watch it now and i'm like and although I'm, i kind of know some of the casts it's like it doesn't strike me that that's kush or martin or stacy or whoever it's so it's not the it's not the actors it is actually those characters because they play it so well um, so it doesn't it yeah. doesn't ruin it at all. It just makes it better, really. So, winner. I mean, can I just say thank you so much for those storylines as well. Massively important. Um, really had an impact, especially in the LGBTQ plus community, because obviously you know, things like that are happening all the time. And to have yeah. it drawn to in a mainstream uh, soap is incredible. Um, Cheers, mate. Just a question to say though, when you. <laughs> When you um, put a plot like that to like the the writers and they accept it, do you ever yeah. think, how am I ever going to look that actor in the eye again? Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> oh god, yeah. And the um, the lad who plays Paul, um, Johnny, is such a lovely lad. Um, is a really really nice guy. And and the decision, I mean, that it wasn't kind of my choice to sort of for the character to leave i think that was a decision that had been kind of taken <clears throat> i'm not quite sure right. in what way but the, the 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 pitch we were given was that paul is going to exit and you know how how can we sort of give him a decent send-off and people were pitching you know various different things and i just wanted to do something really different and i wanted to kind of make him a 
um, give it, give him a really kind of fitting in it. And I loved Pam and Les as well, who were his um, yes. grandparents, um, and Ben, who was his boyfriend, who's such a, um, a brilliant character. Um, and I thought oh, there must be something really different that we can do here that hasn't been done before that would make an impact and get people talking and raise awareness of stuff. And I think something like like homophobic attacks, I think, is something that people think you know, don't happen as much now and that it's all, mm-hmm. it's all kind of sort of very, everyone's kind of very free and easy and open about it, you know, and in, in a lot of ways, you know, it, it's a lot more acceptable, quite rightly so, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, those things do still go on quite a lot. Um, and it's just something that I think people have forgotten about that I thought they could do with uh, reminding. So uh, I was really, really pleased yeah. when they, they, they liked it and they kind of took it on because you have to go through kind of a lot of stages of pitching it to various different people higher and higher up, um, especially when it's something quite serious like that. So, yeah, I was thrilled that it, uh, it, uh, it made it all the way to the end. It was, it was really nice. Sure. So just a quick, this is a question that's coming from Twitter. Um, so what is the turnaround uh, on a story idea from being realised to the audience seeing it on the screen? First, so this is an EastEnders-related question, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with EastEnders, it's quite, it's quite long. Um, so I think with, um, with that one, it was, that was sort of in the running for over a year before it kind of made it to the screen. Because I think what you... I think if you're going to kill someone, and it's, it's the same with the archers... I think you don't want to kill someone um, and kind of waste to death, really. I think you want it to have impact on people. And because Paul was, um, wasn't was kind of one of the you, you sort of big A-listers, I think I want, you want people to love them and, and, you know, have an emotional reaction to when they're not there anymore. So I think we spent quite a lot of time, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like developing his relationship with Ben a little bit more and getting him a bit more ingrained into the community. And, and we've done it in the arch as well. We did it with, um, with Nick um, before she died of sepsis. Don't um, even, don't <laughs> <laughs> so Oh, did you get upset? It was so, it was very <laughs> upsetting. Um, but that's the thing you don't, you, you want people to care, you know, and you, and you want people to get upset um, and, uh, and for them to sort of, to, to watch it with kind of that, you, you don't want someone to die and they just go, oh, okay, what's happening with this, this person? Um, so we spent a lot of time kind of re- really sort of making people care about him so that it's all the more shocking um, when it does sure. when it does come. Um, so, yeah, that's something that we, we definitely did that. Um, and with um, uh, with Ronnie and Roxy as well, that was uh, when they uh, very famously died. I mean, that was sure. a good few months in the planning. And I remember sitting in um, sitting in one of the offices and there was just me. Uh, the script editor of that episode and um, the writer and we sat and we'd sort of been given the, and I was the storyliner of that episode. We sort of been given the task to that. This is, this is what was going to happen on new year's day. And we just sat in the office in June, like six months beforehand and hardly anybody else knew. And we just sat there going, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, if anybody knew what we were doing in this room and what we were talking about and what we were sort of having to, you know, so it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a long time, especially with EastEnders. The Archers is, a little bit less in some ways, but then we, with the archers, you think you you kind of grid stories for like like the stories that I know are coming in like twenty twenty two, and then you yeah. do like you do the build up kind of thing. Um, so it's that's that's kind of a little bit more. You, you know a bit more into the future with the archers, I think. Um, sure, just because well, of the kind of the, the way we tell stories. 
it's a very long process and that's what i love personally love about the archers you know a storyline can begin and it might be one two three years before you see it resolved which is yeah what what i've always always loved it i mean i've I've always loved eastenders but i feel like um soapsies they have a storyline and it might be sort of resolved in a week or two weeks Mm. but the archers i love that long longevity that the storylines have that's one of my favorite things about it but, oh, cool. um, this isn't nice, about me. It? <laughs> it's about you. <laughs> it should That's be. <laughs> Go on. Um, so, do you ever have um, moments where you're like asleep or you're you're not at work, and then suddenly like a plot line might pop into your head, and you sit up and go, "Oh my god, I need to write this down." Yeah, all the time. You ne- you never <laughs> quite switch off uh, ever ever. Um, and you're always sort of every time you kind of if you're watching TV or reading something, you, you, and sometimes you're like. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. I've never thought of that. Or is that something we could do? And you just you just can't help yourself. It's really, really difficult to to switch off. And when you when you're in it, um, it's so intense and you and you work, you know, quite long hours and it's you sort of all you sort of always got your mind on it. Um, so yeah, all all the time. You're always looking for inspiration in your own life and stuff. And even it doesn't have to be anything kind of big and catastrophic. It's just kind of it can be something quite small. Or something funny that that happens to you, and there's sorts of things that have happened to me, or happened to someone I know, and I've put it like directly or pitched it certainly into um, one of the shows I'm working on, and said, "Oh, this happened to me. It's really funny, actually. Let's uh, let's see if we can get it to work." Um, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think lots of writers kind of do that in whatever medium they're in. I've always got like my notes on my phone, kind of next to me, and I'm always grabbing my phone. And people are saying, who are you texting? And I'm like, nobody, I've got no friends. I haven't got time. I'm just writing ideas for this. (laughs) So, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, all the time, 100%. That's amazing. So um, this comes from Claire in Brighton. This is a Twitter question. Hi, Claire from um, Brighton. What is the difference between coming up with plots for audio, for the audible medium, and for TV? And are there any limitations? (sighs) That's a very good question. With COVID, yes, <laughs> there's limitations yeah. to everything. Well, we've got as, loads as of with... questions about that coming up. So. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> as with um, yeah, as with everything and everyone, uh, huge limitations. That's a really good question, actually. Um, and it was something that took, because um, The Archers was my first job in radio. I've never done radio before. Um, so it was. it's very, very hard because TV and film is always show, not tell. So you can have a moment in... Um, uh, a, a sort of a, a TV drama that you can see and all you have to do is for an actor to raise their eyebrow in a certain way or roll their eyes or do kind of a bit of a fake smile and you know exactly what ca- that character is thinking um, and it's it's done in half a second and obviously with radio you can't do that because you can't see them so what you have to do in radio you, you have to get you have to sort of help the actor and the actors and the archers are all superb um, and are really good at this. Um, but you have to kind of get that out with what they're saying rather than what they look like. Um, and body language is such a huge thing, you know, and there's, I think there's a statistic somewhere that like sort of 70% of what you mean comes out in your body language rather than what you're saying. And what you don't want in the archers is to have someone sitting there saying, well, actually I think this at the moment because no, nobody does that. It's not realistic. Um, so you have to kind of sort of write the story so where they might be saying something else, but the way they're saying it tells you what they're really thinking. So it's a completely different kind of skill. Um, like for me as a storyliner, for the writers, for the director, for the actors, for everybody um, to get that across without it, um, without it feeling like someone's saying, right, audience, I'm going to sit here and tell you exactly what I'm thinking um, and make it realistic. So, yeah, it's uh, 
it's very different but it's uh it takes a bit of getting used to but it's uh it's just a different uh, kind of challenge really um yeah, yeah wow i mean that that's like you've said a few things in there that i didn't even think about really like having to get a reaction across in a voice rather than like a physical you know yeah app. i mean that's really interesting um do you know what? i'm a huge when... fan of the chopping of the carrots because you can get someone to chop a carrot slightly aggressively and that tells you that they're annoyed <laughs> so i love a chopping <laughs> carrot scene that's my favorite one and you're so like you just have to write in the stage directions to, uh... Some bad news. You just go right. We need this yeah. thing to happen during the, during Sunday lunch preparation. Absolutely, yeah. For everything during <laughs> Sunday lunch, and the way you way you um, blanch that broccoli, that yeah, says a lot. Um, you just have to have sort of. If you want Jennifer to be a little bit annoyed, but pretending she's not, she'll say it's all fine, <laughs> and then she'll just do a very aggressive carrot chop, and the audience are like, "Yeah, I'm with you. I know what you're doing." <laughs> that is That's brilliant. a classic. Love that. That's I my favourite that. one. One of my the slamming of a car door is quite good as well. You can do a good car door slam oh, sometimes. That's quite yeah. a good one. Yeah. Or Shuler, a slap of the horse. Slap of the horse, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love all yeah, the definitely. legacy characters on the Archers. They are my favourite, like Linda. Oh, know, I love Linda. Like, they're just such fantastically written, but, you know, they are like legacy characters. They are the, yeah. you know, the Pat Butchers and you know, the Peggy Mitchells of the Archers, and I just think they're brilliant. So and it's, well so, it's so lovely because the, the, the actors stay with us for so long. I mean, I mean, Peggy, I mean, June Spencer, who's 101 in real life, who's one of the most amazing women I know. You know, she's been in it since the beginning, and it's 70 years old on January the 1st. And, you know, what, what you, you, it's so hard to do that in a in a, a in one of the like the tv soap so hard to keep keep characters for that long um so we're really lucky that um that the actors want to stay there or most of them do yeah that's incredible so you know that i'm a huge archers fan right i do I, yes i've listened to like every omnibus edition even when we were working together in paris i used to listen to yeah, the archers yeah. on us in the playlist. Oh, who'd have thought, you see? With my headphones <laughs> plugged in to the little thing, I'd listen Oh, is that night. what you were doing? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's what I was doing, yeah. What did everyone think I was doing? <laughs> we were like, Keith, come and have a drink, mate. <laughs> and you're like, hang like, on a minute. Well, it's stir up Sunday. I can't come now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I absolutely loved it. I've, I've, it's a thing that my mother listened to, my grandmother mm. listened to. So it, again, it's something that's come up through the ages. Um, but recently, you've had to change the format due to the pandemic. Yes. So how did that, um, obviously no future plot details, but how did that affect yeah. the plots and like the character arcs? Were there, was there much difference to what you had to do? Yeah, it was it was difficult. I mean, you know, it's been so, it's such a nightmare for everyone, but we'd got um, uh, quite a few weeks in the can already. Um, we'd got stuff that had been kind of planned and storylined for sort of two months after that into kind of, I mean, this this was March when it all kind of kicked off. So we, we knew what was happening up till June. Um, and I mean, obviously, the, the, our first and most important thing is the safety of um, the cast and crew. Um, and there was just no way that we would ever expect um, any of our cast to sort of come up and make themselves vulnerable and be in such a small, because the studio is obviously quite small, um, and do that. So that was the immediate kind of concerns and everything. Um, yeah, but we did we did have to 
kind of scrap quite a lot of um, stories and scripts. Mm. Um, and ju- you just you just basically had to kind of re- reinvent the entire show um, overnight virtually um, because it was really, really important to everyone that we kept it going and because we thought that people, you know, that the fans would, would want it and we wanted it to be um, something that people would want to listen to, you know, during lockdown. And we didn't think and it was it was a shame that we just had the massive explosion at Grey Gables um, yes. sort of a couple of weeks before right, right at the beginning of March. Um, so it was that was obviously a story that we had to kind of continue, but we had to sort of sit and sit there as a team and think about what are, what are people going to want to listen to? What sort of stories are they going to want to listen to? at the moment um so that mm. was that was kind of a, a challenge but it was really really important to us that we kept it going um you know and we did and you know everyone had their own you know issues to deal with you know at home and stuff and you know people had it or knew someone who'd had it or primary schools were closed and people had their kids with them and it was the same for the cast and the crew and all this sort of stuff as as you know for everybody in in every job and sort of walk of life so it was uh yeah it was really challenging but I was really proud of the fact that we um we kept it going um and I think the um and I think the monologues were such a brilliant way of you know when would you ever have the opportunity to to do that and to actually hear Mm. what your characters are thinking and especially with um someone like Alice um who was just sort of starting to um get into the serious sort of um depths of alcoholism and and you know we could actually hear her lying to herself um, and trying to excuse what she was doing and really get inside somebody's head and that's just something you you could just never do that because you know people you know people and characters don't tell the truth and do hide their own feelings and cover what they're thinking to protect others whereas here's here's you know you could have people sitting there going this is what I really think of this person this is what I really think of that situation so we kind of took it as a we just sort of turned it into a positive really and thought let's sort of try and do something really unique and different that we'll never get the chance to do hopefully again but yeah. um so yeah it was a it was a tough one but uh i'm really proud of what we did i personally thought that you did an absolutely smashing job i actually Thanks, thoroughly mate. enjoyed the monologues thank you that, very like much you said it was something completely different it was hearing like like you said characters inner thoughts when will we ever get to hear that? You're right. You know, yeah. it's, it was such a different style. But mm. I think that um, the way that they were told and the, the way that they subtly moved the plot along, do you know what I mean? They weren't yeah. obviously the big ideas. I mean, we, as our, as an Archer fan myself, we were obviously disappointed. We had the whole Kirsty uh, wedding storyline coming up, which we were a little bit like, oh, you know, what's going to happen? Because, you mm. know, Philip's a bit of a bastard. But he um, is. He's a nasty man. But, he's evil, um, isn't he? He is evil. I love it. I love it. I don't want him to go. Don't. don't get <laughs> but um, Do you know what? He's so nice in real life as well. He's absolutely lovely. It's such a. He can literally just switch it on when he comes into studio and has to act. It. He's brilliant. And um, Gareth, sure. who plays Gavin as well, is the same. It's uh, yeah. it's it's yeah. It's quite it's quite like weird to watch actually. Just how easily they can flip between the two is brilliant. Yeah, we don't want to give any plot details away for listeners who might no. not have listened to The Archers. But if you go back and listen um, to previous episodes, the Philip and Kirsty storyline. I mean, poor Kirsty. I know, love Kirsty. And then, yes. Now you've given she her. She does a... pick them, doesn't she? 
She does. I really hope she doesn't move to Wales. Please, please, stay this side of the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Oh, we'll have to, but, have, um... to uh, have to wait and see for that one. I would just say, because we've got our um, 70th birthday coming up on the 1st of january and if any of your listeners aren't archers fans at the moment um if you don't listen to any other episode listen to that one um because it will it really kind of sets a lot of other stories in motion and you kind of get a really good idea because it's quite sometimes it's quite a hard show to get into because there's so many characters and obviously you can't sort of look at people and go oh i like the one with the black hair and i like the one i like that good looking (laughs) one kind of thing because you've just got their voices to go on um so sometimes it's uh you kind of need to sort of do your homework sometimes to kind of really get into it but yeah listen to the one on the first of january because that sets up a lot of things for the next year really well in my opinion but i would say that I wrote oh my it. god i'm literally like salivating here i'm so excited <laughs> i'm so yeah. excited i mean one of the one of the most defining moments of my archers listening was of course um the most famous death on january the first absolutely know i know who you're I talking mean, about yes yeah i don't P. want to give if people might want to go and research it themselves so i won't give the name away but it involves a roof that's all i'm gonna mm-hmm. say yeah yeah um, but yeah poor elizabeth She's back on the dating scene. Well, you know you. She is. I love. I love Elizabeth. I think she's such a such a brilliant character, and it's really nice actually because she had such a a big. um, She had the big depression story um, a couple of years ago, and I think what you said before um, about kind of stories lasting for years, you know, and in real life, you know, if you do lose a, a partner, you know, you don't ever get over it ever. You know, it's it's something that always stays with you and obviously you have good days and bad days and then what we did was um uh elizabeth's kind of depression you know when, when she had the um therapy episode it was almost a two-hander with just herself and a therapist and what yeah. came out was that she still hadn't processed um her husband's death from like nine years previously um yeah so it's, it's exactly as you say and even the um rory and siobhan, siobhan story that we did um a fortnight ago you know that's been it, uh, rory's 18 and that is something that Jennifer kind of almost just sort of managed to come to terms with what had happened. Um, and the fact that her husband had cheated with Siobhan and Rory was the result. And that's a story that's been going for 18 years, you know, and, and again, when, when else are you lucky enough to be able to stretch stories for so long in a, in a realistic way, hopefully. I thought, and I'm not, and no word of a lie. Uh, two weeks ago when I heard that storyline that, um, Basically, just for people who don't know, uh, Rory is, like Dave said, the result of an adulterous affair, uh, but Siobhan passed away. And on the 18th birthday, Rory received a CD with a voice message from his mum, who obviously was dead. And yep. when they played that message, I messaged you. Do you remember what I said? Yeah, I, I did. You said, did you say you cried? Did you cry? Were you a I mess? I cried my <laughs> eyes out. Because when the Siobhan and Brian storyline was going on when I was at school doing my GCSEs. Mm, yeah. So and my mum would get on the phone to my grandma every Sunday and talk about the omnibus. Amazing. And she was swearing, Brian, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> your mum sounds amazing. I've never met your oh, mum. I'd love to meet your mum. She sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. She'll sit you down and go, right, this is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, and, you know, that was a huge part of, you know, listening to that storyline when you're quite young and listening to stories lines about adultery and, you know, mm. pregnancy, things like that. It was quite an eye-opener. So then 18 yeah, years yeah. later, sort of being pulled back into that. 
was amazing. And like, kudos to you, mate. Absolutely expertly done. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it now. Oh, mate, thank uh, you. I mean, it was the it was the whole team actually, and we there was there was loads of different versions of it, and Katie wrote it, and. Arthur and Angie um, and, and and obviously Siobhan. I mean, they were brilliant, all, all three of them. It's it's very much um, a team effort. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it was, I mean, I actually, I deliberately hadn't read the script for it. I'd literally just written kind of the story. I didn't read the script. I didn't kind of, I wasn't sort of across it particularly because I wanted to listen to it kind of with, with my audience hat on. Um, and yeah. I, it actually made me cry as well. Uh, it it, it really did. It was the yeah, fact you know, I knew well what was coming. Rory had just sort of come out as bisexual to his best friend and he was yeah. worried about what his mum would think about that and then she yeah. sort of hinted in the story that she you know whether he was happy with a girl or a boy you know she'd be proud of him yeah. and it was beautiful of course yeah so well yeah. done oh good so choked well a bit done. now just thinking about it oh, thank know. you very much i should pass that on <laughs> message me going if you're crying now wait till next week and i was like bloody yeah hell. yeah yeah oh and then we had chris <laughs> and alice yeah yeah that's yeah. it Again, an amazing storyline. Can we just hit upon that? Because um, we've I've actually had some discussions um, on previous podcasts about issues like alcoholism um, for fit, for young females. Something not mm-hmm. spoken about yeah. at all, especially females that then find themselves pregnant and find it very difficult yeah. to come off of the drink. Um, I think it's a brilliant storyline. Obviously, you can't tell us anything that's going to happen. But how did that no. storyline come about? um to be honest it was one that because i've only been there for three years and it was something that was sort of in the when i first started they gave me this whole kind of pack to read of all their thoughts and you know what what they're thinking where they thought it was going sort of in the future and that was already kind of there um sort of when i started so again what you're saying about sort of things going on and what i loved about it is that alice is just not your average view of an of what an alcoholic would look like you know she's she's young she's pretty she's very successful you know she seems to have kind of everything so it's sort mm. of it's kind of exploring why she's why she's like that um and also the um I, I really kind of like doing stories in a very different way to what's um to kind of what's been done before because there's only you know you've you've had lots of alcoholic stories in soaps um you know all, all of which are, are amazing in their own way but it's sort of you do think how can we do this differently in a way that hasn't been seen before and what we wanted to do was you know the the fact that a young pregnant woman suddenly has to think I, I can't I can't drink and how is that going to going to affect me and how that affects the baby and Chris um and her family and everything it just seemed to add a whole new dimension on you know and where what what do you do if you are an alcoholic or you've got ish, substance abuse issues and you find yourself pregnant what it, it just it just brings a whole new layer of stress and drama and emotion and intrigue and everything sort of mm. onto it so and it's the same with um uh jim's story which i think was um jim's historic sexual wow. abuse um wow. and i think that is probably that's one that i pitched as well and i think that is probably my favourite story from the Archers um, that I've ever sort of had the pleasure of working on. Um, because again, you know, there's, there's, there's loads of different abuse stories in soaps and they're so important and they raise awareness and they help people and they're, they're all superb. Um, but I'd, I'd never heard, heard it from the point of view of somebody like Jim, of some of an older man from Jim's generation. And I'd never, that, that was a, a, a sort of an, a, like an untapped area for me. Um, and I think that, you know, men find it very difficult to talk about their their feelings and their experiences and things that have happened to them. And it just seemed to explain so much to me about why Jim was 
the way he was and so kind of buttoned up and so serious and why he struggled with his relationship with his son and all this sort of stuff. Um, mm. So I was really, really proud of that one. So I think it's quite important to, you know, tell stories that have been done before, but tell them in a di- really different and hopefully interesting way. I think the Jim um, storyline was absolutely um, heart wrenching, uh, beautifully written and obviously came completely out of the blue because we, we mm. like knew like Jim's been in it for so long yeah. and to bring a new aspect of that character out that we did not know about. And something so shocking was, mm. was incredible. But what I loved about that storyline, I have to say was how Alistair and Jazza yeah. rallied round him. Love them. That Absolutely was, love them. I mean, when, when I first, oh, you're making carry me on, bloody well up again. Oh, good. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> It's it's beautiful. It's absolutely that storyline was. It was them two and their reaction to it and how they became, like you know, Jim's consolers was just fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. I mean, what what I wanted for it, and when I, when I first kind of pitched it to the rest of the team, um, you know, who had some of them had concerns and reservations, and absolutely quite right to with something so serious. And I think what what I said made it quite clear from the beginning. I said this isn't a story about abuse. This is a story about friendship, and this is a story about three men learning to who who really kind of care care about each other anyway and they were so funny together the three of them and they were mm. so we did so many kind of little kind of comedy stories and they're so different in in that house just these these three men and i really wanted to kind of take their relationship onto an, a new level and give them something serious rather than comical to do um and as you say i mean the three of them were, were so so brilliant and the writing was excellent and the direction everything um, and it was really, really important to me that it was it, that, that that was the point of the story is that Jim, you know, learns to talk about his feelings and the other two learn to, you know, accept his way of dealing with things. And, you know, it was never a huge dramatic thing. You know, no one else ever found out about it. But, you know, apart from Shula, you know, it was it was a really kind of small and contained story behind closed doors. And I think it was really mm. important that it that it stayed like that. Um, so that was something I was really keen on. But when I um, when I was sort of kind of just sort of sniffing around, kind of considering what to do with it, and if I was doing the right thing, and I got in touch with um, Survivors UK, um, who are the sort of charity that cover a lot of mm-hmm. um, so those sorts of um, issues. Um, and there was two Archers fans that I sorry, there was two um, research contacts there. One of them was a huge Archers fan. One of them had never listened to it at all. So it was really interesting to kind of get the two different perspectives. Um, and my contact there, she said, which character are you thinking of doing it with? And I said, Jim. And she just went, oh, my gosh. She said, he's absolutely, said he's the last person I would have expected, but he's the yeah. most obvious person. She said, everything about him fits um, that, you know, that sort of, you know, something has happened to somebody like that, you know, that kind of mentality, just or his whole personality just absolutely fit it like a glove. Because you don't want to, it's never a question of, like picking an issue and then like sticking a pin in the cast list and saying, Oh, you know, let's give that issue to that person. It has to be, it has to still be realistic and it has to kind of come naturally from, from the characters. Otherwise it just doesn't work. Um, and the audience, you know, we were so kind of on it. We'll just sniff it out and go, well, that was clearly kind of just invented at the last minute. Um, yeah. but she just thought Jim was the perfect um, candidate for something like that. And you, and you want to give people like, I mean, John Rowe plays him. He's such a good actor you know, and, you know, you want to give um, give everyone kind of a chance to shine, really. And I'm really kind of into 
sharing the stories around and making sure everyone has a good um good bite of the cherry um yeah. and he was so brilliant at comedy and i just thought i know he could he could do something really worthwhile and really important if we gave him the chance and he he really took what it and it? ran with it so uh, yeah, yeah. Great. i was very proud of it you certainly did and i mean you should be because as a listener it was um very affecting and very out of the blue but at the same time you know like you said completely fitted the character because of his characteristics mm. and the way he was with Alistair so oh uh, it, yeah. it was glorious another time where I was in the corner in the fetal position crying my eyes out uh, <laughs> but, but in a good way in a good way of, yeah, yeah. of learning and you know understanding a character that you'd heard for so many years um mm. expertly done absolutely amazing thank absolutely you very much that. I think it was I think it was important as go on sorry no 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 go on I was going to say, I think it's important as well with a story like that. And I think we've done a similar thing with Linda is where you can put them through that. something quite awful. Yeah, yeah I love Linda. It's legendary. Yeah. Um, you don't want to, because they're so popular as they are, you know, you don't want to ruin the the essence of them. And, you know, essentially you, you want to keep Jim as, you know, a bit stuffy and awkward and set in his ways. And you, you, you don't want to kind of lose that. And the same with Linda. So I think you, we have to find a way of testing them and giving them something really big and meaty and emotional. But you, you should never, ever lose. You don't, you don't want at the end of them to think, OK, well, you, you've broken that character now and there's nothing else you can do with them um, and you've sort of ruined them. So I hope we've kind of kept the essence of them both the, the same. Um, but yeah, carry on. What were you going to say? Definitely. I was going to say Linda's storyline at the moment. Um, if you're not, if you don't know, uh, it's, I'm going to spoil it because I think I need to. But normally Go the Archers, on. you know, you could listen to um, a very comfortable episode of the Archers, you know, which what I love about it, you know, one episode, it could be about something quite serious. Next episode, it could be about, you know, people coming onto the farm trying to find old coins, you know, like there's a cute, there's a massive like balance there. And I love that. But when you blew up Great Naples, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I was standing in the kitchen and I just dropped everything that I was doing and just my Amazing. jaw was on the floor because you just had this very <laughs> normal conversation going on. I think it was between Emma and Tracy. Emma and like Tracy outside, outside, yeah. They were just having a normal conversation and then kaboom. Yeah. And that's what I love about the Archers. That is shocking because that's not something that happens all the time. Like there are other soaps which are all you mm. know, that are great, don't get me wrong, but you know, big events happen pretty much on a weekly basis. Whereas in the Archers yeah. it's not necessarily like that. So when you have something like Ray Gable was just exploding like it did. I thought it was an excellent storyline. And I think that Linda's storyline from then on has been amazing, especially during the monologues. Oh, um, yeah, exactly. And that's when you could really get out what she was really thinking, because Linda's the sort of character that would just always put, just puts a brave face on and wears a bit of a mask with everything. Um, and sort of come, you know, won't sort of kind of let her vulnerabilities out. And it was it, with some with with them, even with her husband, even with Robert, um, and with the monologues, you could hear she she could just be honest and say, actually, I'm really really struggling um, with the aftermath of this, and I'm not coping. Um, but I've got to keep that pretense up. So I mean, she could just talk, you know, essentially to the audience um, sure. in a way that was really really different um and much more interesting but that's exactly what we what we wanted and we didn't want again that's why spoil you know we, we sort of really like hot on not giving away spoilers because in real life if something explodes you don't know it's coming you know and yeah you, it's it just happens 
Um, so yeah, I was really, really proud of that. And we still play in the aftermath of that now, um, because obviously that's what kind of revealed what Philip was really doing and what yes. caused it. Um, and there's just so many, I love, I love stories where you have like one episode and then you just kind of watch everything kind of branch out and affect everybody, um, in completely yeah. different ways. And ultimately it's what brought Ed and Emma back together. Um, you saw kind yeah. of Oliver struggling with the business afterwards, um, obviously you had Linda is quite badly injured. You had Freddie with survivor's guilt. You had Philip and Gavin trying to cover up um, what had really gone on. Yeah. Um, you had Roy with his head injury and stuff. And, and you know, everybody was, um, was affected. Um, so, and, and, the, and it just, it just writes itself then really you, you, you can have a, but you have to, you have to kind of keep your big moments and use them sparingly and use them. Well, it's not something that we would, you know, we wouldn't do another disaster for, you know, a, a good amount of time because, you know, you don't, it, you, the audience just become anaesthetized to it then and they don't care as much, I think. And, and again, yeah, we try and keep one, it realistic. So, probably, yeah, I think the last one was like the flood, I think maybe was when it yeah. had a, an impact like it did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we have to, you have to kind of be quite careful how you, how you do it. And, and when people were sort of like, um, oh, are they really going to kill off Linda? And I was like, do you know what if people wanted to kill off Linda I would have resigned I was just like there's no yeah. no way she was never ever going to be uh, she, you'd have to um drag um the beautiful Carol Boyd kicking and screaming um out yeah. of there I think we would we would never <laughs> never knowingly or willingly um do that to Linda because she's uh she's so amazing but, um, but again, it's a question of testing. It's a question of testing her and seeing how someone comes through it and learning things about her that we didn't already know. Um, so, and, and, you know, and Carol's such a fantastic actress, you know, you, you, and she's so good at comedy, but you don't want to give her comedy all the time. You want to stretch them with something different. So, um, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I was quite proud of that. It was good. Amazing. I think the only time I ever go, ew, at the arches is when Robert and Linda start talking about getting a little bit frisky <laughs> absolutely but so i mean push again, the it's, <laughs> push the beds together oh they love it but the, the thing is though and again again i'm aware it's a kind of a, a story that's a little bit divisive and something that some people might think oh i'm not sure i'm quite comfortable with that um but again <laughs> it's 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 realistic and you know that yes, people in course. their 70s do do that and that is why and as much as a, a a nag as linda can be sometimes you know, Robert absolutely adores her and they have such yeah. a brilliant sex life, um, you know, and, and why shouldn't they? And again, it's something that, you know, isn't really talked about in other continuing dramas. And, you know, as with every story, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but it is it is an yeah. essential part of how they work. Um, and Linda's such a kind of a confident, um, well put together kind of woman. And it seemed a very natural thing for her to worry about um in light of the injuries that she sustained so no, definitely um so yeah, yeah i think a, i only have good. that reaction is because i think of linda as like a bit of a grandma to me because <laughs> i've grown up <laughs> yeah absolutely so don't think, think about your own grand doing like, that yeah i just go because it's like you know you, you never want your nan to talk about that sort of thing would you Ooh. no never Ooh, ever ever I know that you've hit upon this a few times, but if you could really think about one storyline that you've been involved in that you are the most proud of, I mean, you might have already mentioned it before, but if you'd mm. like to like reiterate, what is the storyline that you are most proud of? That is overworking with EastEnders, The Archers, and other projects that you've worked on. 
I think I would probably say Jim. I'd probably have to go back to that yeah. one because we we did actually have people um, get in touch with us and say um, after listening to those episodes, I sat my family down and I told them that the same thing had happened to me and I feel so much better. And you're just like, oh, wow. my God. I mean, that is just it's you can't even begin to imagine that it has made such a huge difference to somebody's life. And obviously, you know, our, our job principally is to entertain um but you know it, it is it is you can't kind of underestimate you know if you have five million listeners or whatever it is we have um it's uh you know and it's what it's why it's so important it's why it's so important to research it properly and you can't just throw these stories out there um you really have to kind of think about because you know this is a real issue that happens to real people same with um the helen and rob story it's it's a real thing and you can't you can't get it wrong um, I don't think and it was just everything about it was just exactly how I wanted it to be but better um, because everyone else in the team and the cast and everyone um, made it so um, and it was it just ticked all the boxes for me and it really sort of took Jim Allister and Jazza onto a new level and I think the audience I think they were very popular with the audience anyway <clears throat> but I think they're kind of firm fan favorites now and that is and that, yeah. that bond between the three of them i think is something that will never be broken properly the fact that they kind of share that um that secret and something else that was um really important and that um kind of survivors uk really kind of sort of helped us with this is because i think there's a really obvious there's a lot of the reason why people who have, have suffered that sort of abuse don't tell anyone is because they feel like they'll be kind of made to feel that they should report it and go to the police and have to go through all the stress of a trial and confronting their abuser and all this sort of stuff and you know and if they can do that that's absolutely amazing you know that that's a, you know, such a hugely brave thing to do um mm. but survivors uk said the most important thing for them is that um, people who have gone through it talk to somebody and, you know, realise that they don't have to go down that channel necessarily if that's not right for them. The important thing is that they share their experience and that they move on and they support themselves and they feel better about it rather than feeling under any pressure to go to the police. And I think we kind of played all those angles where, you know, Jazz was very much, oh, I want to go and beat him up. You know, you should uh, get him locked up and all this sort of thing. That's a very normal reaction that a lot of people would have. But what I think he learned through it and Alistair as well is that actually that's not the important thing here. The important thing isn't necessarily, you know, justice for the, for the man that did this. Jim is the important one um, and he needs to deal with this in whatever way is right for him. And we need to learn to support him with that and that his way of dealing with it is right, whatever way that is, if that makes sense. No, um, 100%, so, 100%. Yeah, it was so, so, yeah, so beautifully was... done so beautiful oh thank you i think there's a lot of people out there that would like to thank you for for that storyline and obviously um other storylines like i've got to tell you a very quick story but very quickly um i was in germany doing a show and um my mum texts me saying you need to listen to the archers right now i don't care what you're doing (laughs) listen to it right now and i was like oh my god i was in the hotel couldn't find the wi-fi code i was like oh my god what's <laughs> happening so i was running around the hotel and managed to get the wi-fi code and listen to it and it was the episode when helen stabbed rob oh yes oh and that you was can a good imagine episode. why i was told to listen to it like right there, i right can there. yeah yeah because you I could have been doing it. anything you could have been uh <laughs> I know, anything but, awkward yeah so i was just like the whole rest of the day i was just i just couldn't Stop thinking about it. It was a, such an, a brilliant, brilliant storyline. And I know that 
you know, I've spoken to a lot of Archers fans. I've got friends that are a lot of Archers fans. Uh, that storyline was very special, and actually got ru- like laws changed. You know that story. I mean, yeah, you know it did. This, yeah, yeah. It got laws changed in Parliament. That's the power yeah. of 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 storytelling, and I think it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was before my time. I wasn't there um, when sure. that story was kind of going on. I was at EastEnders, but yeah, I mean, it's it did kind of get laws about kind of um, coercive control um changed um but yeah you, you're absolutely right and it, it cannot be underestimated and sometimes i don't think you eat you eat as you're writing it you don't think this this could be all the sort of the things that um the consequences of that um mm. so yeah that's why you have to be so careful with it um but yeah i mean when something like that goes on you you feel like you might have changed people's lives for the better um and made a difference it's uh it's Great. It's, it's indescribable really i can imagine so this is a question that I got a lot, but I've had to sort of narrow it down because I know that we're not allowed to, to talk about future plot lines. So um, mm-hmm. I've narrowed it down to this. If you could describe Christmas in the Archers in one word, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, in one word. I don't, know if I, can, yeah. I don't know if I can do it in one word. I mean, it's, it's different, different this year because there isn't um, an episode on Christmas Day. Um, so we finish it on christmas eve um right this this year because uh, it's we don't have the friday episode currently um i think it's i think it's got a little bit of i think it's got a little bit of everything i would say it's very it's very christmasy this isn't one word um it's very christmasy but there's something quite um dramatic as well so i would think there's kind of a nice a nice dramatic. balance yeah, yeah yeah i think Dude. i think i think that i think the christmas eve episode people will have a range of emotions uh watching this watching it listening to it there won't have any emotions if they watch it because there's no (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Um, um, my my hope is that uh scruff comes back from the dead again that's what i'd like oh the scruff bless him oh that was (laughs) that was so so heartbreaking that is i mean again that that is something that wouldn't be done in a continuing drama potentially in a in a soap in in a big one i know emmerdale did it with um uh, um, Edna's dog um, but yeah I mean losing an animal is such a huge has such a huge effect on a family doesn't it so it's uh, it does it's, uh, it's really important to do stories like that as well I think right we've got some voice messages just to let you know on stereo anyone can message in about anything so um, these might not be oh god terrified <laughs> so don't worry <laughs> abusive but, um, if they're not relevant we'll just skip through them but then obviously I'll <laughs> okay, that's on to, to a project that you're very passionate about after so bear yeah. with us one sec all right see i've just jumped yeah. in halfway and it says you're bbc story um producer what i like about the bbc is the fact that this gay friendly like so much like there's a lot of gay storylines and a lot of gay um high- highlights that are affecting our community um, do you have any say in that as well, or do you know why the BBC focus a lot on homosexuality? Not that I'm complaining at all, I think it's great, but um, I just wonder because it, it focuses on it more than um, any other channel. That's a really good question, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's just a question of trying to, I mean, what, what we do in the arts is we just try and portray normal life, really, and um, a, lot, a lot of people, are, you know, have... Um, different sexual orientations you know there's lots of different sort of people out there and it would be boring if everyone was 
you know exactly the same um and with the the rory story that we touched on a little bit um previously so rory's just come out as bisexual and i was really really keen because that was a conversation with my stepson actually my stepson's 16 um and i said you know what's 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 kind of sort of like young people's issues at the moment he said oh it's all like sexuality and sexual fluidity and trans and and that's kind of the, the huge kind of talking point now um you know sort of in in schools and everything um and i said you know what what kind of happens with that and he said oh it's just like not a big deal loads you know he's got lots of gay friends um by friends whatever he knows a couple of people who are trans or want to be or transitioning or whatever and i was really really keen to show um a coming out story from a young person's perspective where rory told ben who's his best friend that he was bi and Ben just goes, oh, right. And then they start talking about something else kind of thing. And Ben just goes, yeah. oh, that's, that's brilliant. You know, I, I, you know, when we go out, you can, I, that's more kind of girls for me than the, the, you know, the competition sort of shrunk. And it's just not yeah. a big deal at all. And it's not a big story and we don't make it a big story. You know, it's not like it's, it's nothing dramatic. Um, and that seemed to be a really kind of realistic way of doing it. So I don't think it's necessarily that we've got an agenda it's um it's just always looking for interesting things that are going on that you know some people might not be aware of um and i think you know the, the soaps traditionally if you know and quite rightly for the times that they you know played these stories you know coming out is very and it is you know very difficult i've done it myself um and it's 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 very hard but i think you know times are changing now you know and young people have a very different view of it um than sort of certain older generations and i think it's important for older generations to think oh actually that is you know how a lot of you know not for everyone obviously but how a lot of young people do deal with it now and it's actually not a big deal for them um so that's uh that's kind of where that came from but it was really really important to me that ben was just like oh brilliant okay right let's let's moving on Nothing. yeah um, and, what a and was great... really casual about it yeah, and what a great um, medium to do it in the Archers as well, because, you know, they have a quite a um, sort of more mature listenership, shall we say? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. For people to really get in touch with that storyline, uh, the Archers is a, the perfect medium for it, I think. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's to reach uh, you. Yeah, I'm glad you missed a pitch up on that. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Right, next one. I've got a message for Dave. What's your favourite storyline that you've ever been involved in? Oh. And what was the reason that it was one of your favourites? Well, so that message was sent, I think, before I asked you that question beforehand. But, uh, no yeah, problems. thank you, Catherine. Um, yes, yeah. thank you. That was, uh, yeah. Do you want me to try and think of a different one? or? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Thank you very much. Okay, right. cool. Also, I'd like to say I like the gay plots that you guys do and the work around it or the the sense of homophobia, you're correct, as in people believe it's just okay now and it's not happening anymore. And what I like about BBC is you present uh, us gays in a way that we're not stereotypically taken and you address issues that are big and, and that are going on in our current country as well as the world. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to making, you know, awareness and making some kids out there afraid to come out come out oh that is so kind that i'm genuinely touched by that that's really really lovely thank you for um for that and i think it's it's really important to again again sort of you know and it's, it's like with everything um you know being gay is just a it's just a, a part of a person it doesn't 
it doesn't say everything there is to know about them. And we talk about, you know, people talk about um, Adam and Ian, who's the um, the resident gay couple in the Archers. And some people come on and go, oh, you know, they're, they're not very interesting. They don't, they don't, not, they sort of don't, they don't do much. They sort of can be a little bit sort of dull and set in their ways. And do you know what? I love that about them because I think it just shows <laughs> that, you know, you can be gay and boring, you know, sometimes. I mean, I don't think they're boring, but I, I understand why, why people do, you know what I mean? And that, you know, they like sitting at home and drinking coke and we did that story with them last um last year when they went out clubbing and you know and they're two men yes. sort of in their 50s and by like yeah. half past nine they were both thinking oh god i'm exhausted let's go home and watch a box <laughs> set and sit with our feet up and i'm yeah. kind of getting, sort of getting to that stage now um <laughs> and i think you know it's it's Paul. there's just different yeah i don't know oh, no, yeah definitely i do um <laughs> I don't know what you, mean, but, you know you <laughs> but I think it's it just shows that you know you, that's that's not the be all and end all you know and you, and you can have um you know everybody's different and you know just because you you know you are gay or whatever you don't have to act in a, in a way that is people might think is stereotypical um so it's just it's just again it's keeping it keeping true to those characters so I, I really really like the fact that Adam and Ian are quite kind of safe um, and I think yeah. that makes them much more relatable and interesting. Um, so, yeah, that was really, really nice, um, what that guy just said. Bless, yeah. Right, next message. Let's have a listen. Dave, do you sometimes find it quite hard to switch off? So, say, for instance, you spend, like, X amount of hours a day writing about specific things, especially, like, big storylines that are quite tragic. Do you then kind of come home and... And kind of not let it affect you, but does it kind of creep into your day-to-day life, or are you quite good at kind of like switching off and knowing what's work and, and what's home life? It's a good question. That's a really good question. That's a really nice question as well. Thank you. Um, I think probably more so for the actors that probably happens too, because they have to just so immerse themselves in what they're doing. Um, and really kind of get themselves in that headspace, especially if it's something quite traumatic like um, Alice and Chris's episode last week. Um, so for me, and although you have to, I mean, the, the gym story, you know, bits of it were, were quite hard to write. And I think the the, the tricky thing and with the um, the modern slavery story that we're doing at the moment as well, the hardest bit is is researching because, you know, you speak to people who have actually gone through these things and you read case studies and some of them are just so unbearable um so so horrible and people are so brave that they've you know agreed to either speak to me about it or um share their experiences in some way so that's that's kind of the most upsetting thing because you know essentially the archers characters aren't real and obviously we, we treat them as if they are um but you know these issues do happen to real people and you, we kind of do sort of touch on that and meet some of these people and it's the same at eastenders and you know every every kind of show like this um so i think i, I tend not to I, normally I'm just so exhausted from writing it that i tend to be able to kind of switch off quite quickly um but it is something that i'll sometimes i'll kind of go home and you know say to my family oh this is um an issue that you know has come up today and this is something i've never thought about before and i think with the um with the slavery story kind of and, and sepsis hugely. And I didn't know a lot about sepsis before I did the research into um, Nick's death. Um, and now I think I'm kind of quite hot on um, looking at stuff and, and knowing kind of what to look for. Um, and in and with the modern slavery one as well, I suddenly find myself looking at um, car washes if I drive past them and you think, oh, I just wonder if, because it's such a huge thing that people just aren't aware of. So I think I take it home in that way. Um, yeah. But hopefully that's kind of, you know, in, it's just kind of, you know, um, 
sort of made my kind of experience of the world a little bit bigger and given me a little bit more knowledge of and a bit more understanding of certain issues so hopefully I take it home in a in a positive way rather than a um, an upsetting one sure I mean you like you said you've been part of so many big storylines not just on the archers but eastenders you know you, yeah. you uh, the Paul Coker storyline you mentioned the Ronnie and Roxy storyline so uh yeah yeah I mean it's quite a lot of tragedy but um it's, it is it's nice that you can sort of switch off and talk to your family about it I suppose that's a big help right yeah yeah definitely and like with the um Stacey's postpartum psychosis I'd never heard of it until someone pitched it at EastEnders I had no idea what it was um or how it manifested itself and now I would like to think that if someone I know was struggling with that that I would have a bit of an inkling as to what to do and what signs to look for um and the same with sepsis you know you can save you can save someone's life if you know what the signs are and that was the point that was the point you know Nick didn't know as a lot of us don't um and her husband didn't know and she died um so it's it's really important to say this is the sort of thing to to look for and you and again it's it's not it only makes a difference to people's lives it can actually save people's lives if it educates them in a certain way so yeah, yeah it's important yeah definitely right we're going to do the next Dave um, just wondering um, are you doing the same as Netflix i.e. are you looking for stories um, you know just interested so constantly looking for stories I think the question is are you always like yeah. looking around you in everyday life yes. <laughs> 100% yeah. because it's it's you, you can't and because it's it's continuing drama so it, it continues which is kind of the point uh, which is good because it keeps us all employed um yeah, but exactly. yeah you can never you can never run out you just you're not allowed to run out of ideas and stories um so yeah that you're always <laughs> kind of looking for stuff and, you know we've got such a brilliant team and everyone else brings things to the table um about different things that I have no idea I don't know anything about um so everyone sort of brings stuff and is invited to kind of contribute um but yeah because I kind of lead it and as I say you you can't run out and you have such a small window to kind of write your stories and you have to there's certain deadlines you have to hit to get it all written and recorded and produced and out there um sure. yeah you're just not allowed to um draw a blank ever and you, I just you, love you, that. Just, you just can't you're not allowed i'm not allowed to have writers you're not it's allowed not possible. <laughs> it is uh, on my first day at eastenders my boss said um it's just, it's like a story factory um it's like it's like a meat it's like a sort of if you're making sausages for example and the, the stories are meat in the machine and you have to keep filling it and you can't you can't run out um because otherwise the whole thing grinds to a to a halt so i mean it's 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 you know there's infinite stories and you get inspiration from Shakespeare fairy tales tv books real life you know there's there's so much um, the news there's so much kind of inspiration out there really but it's uh, sure. it's just spotting the ones that you think you have you can try and sort of make work in the archers but yeah no yeah you can quote me on that you're not allowed to run out of ideas <laughs> ever <laughs> right next message hi Keith oh sorry Oh, God damn it. Sorry, that was my fault. I pushed the wrong button. Sorry, send that. That's all you need. Hiya, Keith. Sorry. I'm fired. Um, send that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. I was 
pushing the button too hard and I just hovered my finger and it went off. So I'll try not to do that again. I bet they're going to say something. Big up to Keith today. Andrew. <coughs> Sorry, got a little sore throat here. Uh, Dave Payne, how are you doing? Uh, welcome to Stereo. Don't know if it's your first time on it, but great chat. Really loving it. And uh, clap, clap, clap for the boys, people. Okay, thanks, Richard. Yay! That, <laughs> he sounds amazing. I like him. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you so butch. <laughs> you not like that all the time. <laughs> right, let's um, and yeah, Dave, uh, if you got a job for me, I'm a, a very budding, aspiring actor. Uh, I'm handsome. I look good. I'm just playing. But if there's work out for me, yeah, go for it. <laughs> He's also a massive liar. <laughs> <laughs> the so problem right, is, you, you can be as ugly. You're on the radio, mate. You can be as ugly as sin. In the air. good looks get nowhere in uh, in my line of work. I mean, I wouldn't have got anywhere if otherwise. So. Oh, but. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah, it counts for nothing, I'm afraid. Oh, bless you, man. Thank you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> He's funny. I like him. Move on to a completely different medium. So we've gone from television to radio, and now we're going to theatre. Yes. So um, tell me all about your new passion, a musical that you have written called yes. Reality Bites. That's the one. Um, so basically, it's um, it's about um, reality TV. So it's about 10 contestants that go on um, a reality show. Uh, and it's sort of it's, it's supposed to be very kind of sarcastic, satirical, tongue in cheek. There's a lot of in jokes in there for people who are, you know, fans of Big Brother, I'm a Celebrity, Love Island, those sorts of shows. Um, but it also it's also got quite a sort of dark theme under it that um, of kind of be careful what you wish for uh, and that fame for a lot of people is um, a bit of a poison chalice. And so it's it's ho- hopefully it's funny, he says optimistically. Um, so it, it, it should it should be sort of quite funny on one level. Um, but there's kind of there's very serious issues about um, abuse, creative control, um, how people are edited, uh, trolling. Um, but ultimately, uh, we want it to um, sort of be a very feel good musical, but a musical that ultimately makes people think about how they treat um celebrities especially in view of um the death of caroline flack um mm. and so it's ultimately hopefully will encourage people to be a little bit uh, kinder to each other as well um all dressed up in a very kind of fun frothy sort of way with a really um unique kind of modern love story as well hopefully and it's also um it's an, an interactive musical so basically we have um at the end of the first act we have four contestants kind of up for elimination and the audience download an app and they can eject um one of the contestants um during the interval so there's actually four um alternative second acts um which is a little bit of a challenge to write but uh it's something that we thought was quite important so you the audience kind of have a say in in what happens as well which is hopefully quite a unique element that fits in with um reality tv sort of quite well so uh yeah, that's what we're doing. I mean, that's fantastic. Hopefully. So we're going to play a little snippet. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. On here, it might sound a bit muffled only because of the medium. But we're, if you're listening on the podcast, it's going to sound perfect. But um, yeah. so would you like to tell us a little bit about where this song fits into the musical? It's Am I Minging? 
Yeah, so Am I Minger, this is this is my favourite song. Um and I just have to give kudos to Aaron Sood, who's um my composer. Uh not Mike and I don't own a composer. He's he's my friend as well, <laughs> who has has composed it. I don't like keeping him in a cupboard. Um <laughs> so yeah, he composed it and um Will Tuckwell um orchestrated it and it's sung by Amy Lee Storer, who's amazing. And basically the ideas behind it is a character called Natalie. Um, who hasn't got a lot of um, prospects in life or doesn't feel like she's got a lot of prospects. She's from, she's had quite a um, damaging childhood. She lives in uh, a not particularly nice area. She's got um, a boyfriend who's not very nice to her, um, but she thinks that fame would solve all of her problems. Um, so that's kind of the, that's what the song's about. Lovely. Well, let's have a uh, listen right now. Hopefully this is going to work. Here we go. This is go Am it. I Minging from Reality Bites the Musical. Thanks, Billy. Yeah. Oh, good. That's nice. Thank you. So, um, what are your plans to go forward with uh, with Reality Bites? I mean, obviously, at the moment, um, theatre is non-existent, so it must be. Yeah. Oh, it's such it's such a shame. Just just in general, I absolutely love the theatre. I've been going since I was a kid, and just to see them all shut, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, and see so many talented people out of work you know on you know both on the stage and backstage it's uh yeah it's really it's really really sad it's really awful and quite depressing um so i mean we we just sort of we've got kind of the the script is there um the uh, most of the songs have been written so we've kind of got demos of nearly all of them um and we've done we've been cho- chosen for quite a few uh, kind of scratch nights with doing a three-week work, a three-month, sorry, workshop residency at um, Winchester Uni at the moment with their oh, wow. musical theatre students. Um, so they've been workshopping um, four of the songs for us as well. Um, um, it was picked it was for, for, it's picked for the Emerging Writers um, show uh, at the Union Theatre. Um, they played two of them uh, at kind of a scratch night um, last month. Um, and there is a theatre that's potent that's interested them. I don't want to say uh, too much, no, uh, no, just sure. just in case. Um, but it's uh, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's it's just something that we just really important again, really important story that hopefully will kind of a lot of people can relate to. And we really wanted to kind of get a um, a young, diverse cast and a young audience kind of away from instagram and into a, a live theater setting um so that's that's kind of the 
the idea behind it in in a way that's quite unique hopefully uh but yeah we'll see but i mean no definitely so um if you want to listen to the full song uh you can go to youtube just search am i minging from reality bites the musical the interactive musical sorry uh and you can listen to it there in in its entirety um dave it's been amazing but i'm gonna have to ask you this question if there was a tv show or a project out there that you would like to write for what would it be absolutely anything it can be something from the past the present what, what what would you what would be your ideal job oh gosh uh i've been very lucky that i've had such uh brilliant jobs um i mean i think it would just have to be on a show that i really really love kind of which that's kind of i've been lucky enough to do some already i think i mean for me i would love to do um i'm a big uh, american horror story fan um and i would love to do a uk version of that and i think kind of uk horror is is you know in a lot of ways it's very different to um american um so if, if ever there was anything like that was ever going to be made um and, and sort of where i live in the midlands there's quite a lot of um kind of sort of paranormal activity and there's sort of re- re- lots of real things that have happened um over kind of like Cannot chase and all these other sorts of places are quite near to me where i think oh god that would be such a brilliant series of american horror story um so if ever there was um a british version um i would love to be involved with that in some way i think that would that that would uh that would be really kind of cool and exciting so i think you know what we say that 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 tickles my pickle completely absolutely (laughs) and i know for a fact i know for a fact that ryan murphy doesn't listen to anything i do so we might have to send him an email (laughs) doesn't he i'm I'm, he's not on this now is he not one of them no he's not no, no <laughs> I bet he's an Archers fan. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. he has. I'm sure he hasn't got time to do anything. The man is the, the busiest man I know. No, well, I don't know. Him, but, I know you know, for a fact that he takes time off of American Horror Story to listen to a bit of Linda action. He loves Good. It. Well, that's we, we live in hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave, thank you so much. I know that we've run a little bit over time, but I've absolutely no um, loved this. Uh, your your thank you, the insights into. Um, the soap world and beyond have been really educational and and thank you and please please uh, carry on what you're doing because as an, as an archers fan myself I, I can't get enough and I think it's it's absolutely incredible so thank you so much thanks dude thanks so much for asking me thank you to everyone who's um listened and sent in questions as well it's uh, it's very humbling so thank you bless you right get back to work you I need some future episodes. I will yes you shouting at me otherwise <laughs> thanks a lot Keith Thank you so much, Dave. Have a great day. Take care. Cheers, mate. You too. Speak to you soon.